0: Tough to have a dream. Tough to do things, you know, college and get married and financially can provide and just have a good Christian marriage and not be able to bring kids into that and just have this dream and not see it come to fruition. I feel like I'd done everything right in my life, you know. Grew up in a Christian home. I small group leaders. I volunteered in church. I built mission trips. I You know, married a great Christian man and we had a great life. And I felt like we were perfectly set up to, you know, have kids and provide for them. And so I couldn't figure out why, why God wasn't allowing us to have kids and everybody around us was. As much as I prayed and asked for answers, and I just felt like I wasn't hearing it, I wasn't hearing from God at all. I felt like He was not there with me for years. I knew he was there, I knew he had a plan, but I felt like he wasn't listening to me and my pain and my struggles and as much as we prayed, I felt like he wasn't there with me. Everywhere I saw something related to infertility and it was just such a focus of my life. The thing that I prayed about all the time, that I struggled with, that I was angry about, that just took over my thoughts it really did become an idol for me.
1: Hey friends, welcome to free and light a podcast designed to help you experience the life Jesus offers. I'm your host, Tim Shelton. And today we have an incredible conversation for you. It's a conversation that if I'm being really honest, I was nervous. To have. Our friends Kaya and her husband Dave Shepard, they have been married for about 10 years and they have a great marriage, fantastic careers, a beautiful home, people in their lives that love them and support them. They have a great life. But they have had this dream to be able to have kids and it has not yet happened. Kaya and Dave have struggled with infertility for years and if you know anything about that, journey. It's long and it's difficult. And I was nervous to have a conversation with Kaya because I really don't know anything about that. Preparing for this conversation, I found myself thinking about my daughters. My 11-year-old daughter has been playing with dolls and pretending to be a mom for as long as I can remember. And just like Kaya, my daughter, her dreams are to get married and have a family of her own. And as I was thinking about my daughters and their dreams, It really made me aware of how tender this conversation is, how sensitive it is to anybody who's not been able to have kids. And in this beautiful conversation, Kaya shares with us what it's like to follow Jesus, even when it's hard. She unpacks her story of pain, uh, the insensitive questions, Mother's Day church services, and the anger that can come from not knowing why they can't have kids. And she tells us her story of being spiritually stuck and wondering where in the world God is at in the midst of it all. Maybe you've felt that way at one point in your life. Over the next 30 minutes, you're gonna hear a story that you can understand deep, deep in your heart, whether you're male or female, mom or dad, single or divorced, kids or no kids. The truth is we all have dreams that get crushed. We all find ourselves living a life from time to time That not what we thought it would be so listen in as kaya guides us towards finding peace in the pain and how to surrender to god and find life to the fullest even when it's not what you had in mind kaya we are back here at haven you haven't been here in a couple years right
0: Yeah, it's been a couple of years. It's so great to be back.
1: (laughs) The Lord gave us perfect weather.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) 70 and sunny with a little breeze, and we got the lake in the background, and we're excited to have you on Free and Light.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited to
1: be here. So I want to start with a little bit of true and false. (laughs) All right, you ready for this? Yes. All right. True or false, online dating works. (laughs) True. 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 Okay, (laughs) tell me about that.
0: Sure. So I was so against online dating and two of my best friends decided one night they were going to make me an online profile on christianmingle.com. And I said to them, don't even bother. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to delete it. Don't waste your time. They end up finding a guy on there, started messaging with him. In the end, him and I started messaging. And a couple weeks later, we met, started dating Two months later, we got engaged. Six months later, we got married.
1: No way. So that is how you met your husband, Dave.
0: Yes, that is how we met.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. If somebody would have told you that's how you found your husband, what would you have said?
0: Absolutely not. (laughs) I was, like I said, so against it. I was like, this is how people die. I am not going to be doing online dating.
1: (laughs) So you met the dream guy online and that was quick, by the way. It
0: was, yes.
1: And you guys have been married how long?
0: Over 10 years. We just celebrated 10 years. Wow. Yeah.
1: So as a young couple, uh, you've been married 10 years. As a young couple, if you think back to those early days, what were some of the dreams and plans and hopes you had uh, as a young couple?
0: Yeah. So just figuring out where God wanted us to live was I think the, the biggest thing for us. We moved soon after we got married to the Grand Rapids area. Just wanted to have, you know, be married and enjoy married life. And then a couple of years in, we decided we wanted to start having kids. So, you know, the dream just to have a family and raise our kids and grow old together. At that point, we were figuring that out. Dave is in education. I'm in business. So those are both kind of wide, but just figuring out where God wanted us to be and moving up in our careers as we now grew in our marriage. Yeah, You know, most people go into wanting to have kids and start having a family and think, you know, it's going to happen right away. And it did not happen right away for us. We struggled to get pregnant. We didn't know why we saw many doctors, had many tests. We looked researched, did all the things and we have not been able to have kids and just have struggled with infertility for many years. I think the hardest part is not knowing why. So every doctor saying, you're perfectly healthy. We don't know why you can't have kids and just not having that closure or understanding and you know, really feeling like this was a dream that we had. Dave wanted to have kids dreamed about it for years and years as a child and just to not be able to bring kids into our family is is it difficult.
1: It's funny no matter how well you know somebody, how long you know somebody, unless you have been through infertility, you really don't know what it feels like.
0: Yeah.
1: I think about my little 11-year-old. She has been playing with dolls and pretending to be a mom since she was like 5 or 6 years old and it's so many little girls dreams I just I can't even imagine what that Has been like for you guys?
0: Yeah, it's tough to have a dream, tough to do things, you know, college and get married and financially can provide and just have a good Christian marriage and not be able to bring kids into that and just have this dream and not see it come to fruition.
1: So you said you hope to have kids and have struggled with that for years. Yeah. So in my head, I think, okay, if it's been months, you know, You can wait that out, but years is a different story. It takes a toll on somebody. Yeah. So what were some of the things going on over the years as you guys were struggling with this for you?
0: It was tough. It was the darkest time of my life. Anger at God and denial and not understanding and watching other people go through having kids and just feeling like I didn't belong just feeling like God wasn't there. Like he wasn't listening to me, praying constantly, others praying for us all the time. And just feeling like I wasn't getting the answers that I really
1: wanted. My mind, thanks to like some of the questions we naturally ask people too, like, so when are you guys having kids and yeah, the mother's day celebrations Mm -hmm. and you know, that probably was not easy.
0: No. Yeah, definitely not. You know, it's a normal question for people to ask like, oh, when are you guys going to start having kids or, oh, don't you want to have kids? And there's always this kind of pain that happens when somebody asks that and that awkward, you know, do I just laugh it off and say, Oh, maybe someday, do I tell them the truth that we've been trying for years? Because then it becomes an awkward conversation with them. Right. Mother's day at church was always difficult. And it got to a point when I said I was never going to go back to church on mother's day. Cause it was so hard. It was so hard to sit there and worship and, you know, saying it as well with my soul when it wasn't, and to feel like I was not hearing from God, and in so much pain, and I just I couldn't be at church on Mother's Day, with where I was at. You know, we experience people having kids around us all the time. We have nine nieces and nephews under the age of eight, so as you can imagine, there's pregnancy announcements all the time between friends and family, and Baby showers to go to and infants and just to experience all of that and not be able to experience it ourselves was really difficult.
1: Yeah. How did this season affect your marriage with Dave?
0: It was tough. It's tough to go through something like that together. At one point, I realized that I was struggling with control because I felt like I could not control us having kids. And so I started to control him. It took me a while to figure that out. And once I did, you know, our next question was like, okay, how do I work through this? How do I work through these control issues? So I decided to get a devotional book, you know, Amazon control. How do I get through this? Right.
1: Typical Christian (laughs) response.
0: (laughs) Found a devotional book called Control Girl by Shannon Popkin. And, you know, I was like, oh, this looks good. I'll get this one. So I get the book back to the house. And one of the first things in the book talks about how God may be trying to teach you about control if you have infertility and i was so mad i almost threw the book against the wall like come on god like really just random book that i picked off of amazon and you know in this book it's about seven women in the bible who struggle with control and i didn't realize how many of them actually struggle with infertility as well because there's many examples in there what's interesting is the author of this book actually lives very close to me and she spoke at a retreat that i was able to go to so it's just cool to connect with her and just Hear her talk about control and her devotional book really helped me work through the control issues that had come up because of our struggles with infertility. I had this image of the perfect family. And because we weren't the perfect family, I then portrayed this image onto him of needing to be the perfect husband, right? So that we came across to others looking good, you know, because we didn't have kids. At least our marriage, we looked good to others.
1: Yeah. So one of the things I know about control is that oftentimes the emotion that comes when you're not in control is anger.
0: Yeah.
1: How did anger play a part in this season of your life?
0: Yeah, I was really angry with God. I felt like, I felt like I'd done everything right in my life. You know, grew up in a Christian home. I was small group leaders. I volunteered in church. I did on mission trips. I you know, married a great Christian man and we had a great life and I felt like we were perfectly set up to, you know, have kids and provide for them. And so I couldn't figure out why, why God wasn't allowing us to have kids and everybody around us was. And I was angry and as much as I prayed and asked for answers and I just felt like I wasn't hearing it. I wasn't hearing from God at all. I felt like he was not there with me for years.
1: What do you think people underestimate about control or anger in their life, having been through the season you've been through?
0: I think people underestimate how much impact control has on you personally um, and the people around you. Now, I struggled to work through those and put on a smile and a fake face and went through my day, but internally it was tearing me apart. Like we talked about, it was hurting my marriage. It was hurting the people around me and... You know, just being angry and feeling like I was out of control.
1: Yeah. What did you begin to believe about God in that season of your life?
0: I really felt like He wasn't listening to me. Like, I knew He was there. I knew He had a plan, but I felt like He wasn't listening to me and my pain and my struggles. And as much as we prayed, I just felt like He wasn't there with me when you, you know, give your life to Christ and you want to follow him. And I wanted to follow the plan for his plan for my life, but it's hard when you don't know what that plan is. (laughs) I wish it was just all mapped out and I could see the end goal, but just have so many unknowns. And, you know, it's hard when it's not the same plan that I have for my life. And I expected to have multiple kids and to raise them and maybe be a stay at home mom. And, you know, none of that happened. It wasn't the plan that God had for us. You know, my husband, Dave always talked about needing to surrender to God. And I kept saying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but it's so hard to do that. And I just let control and anger fester for a long time.
1: Well, that's how we get reconnected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting little backstory. Um, you were in my wife Kelly's small group. Yeah. As a teenager.
0: I was. And we
1: weren't that much older than you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, a lot of life happened between that moment and then when you ultimately applied for our year long experience at Sequel called Encourage. So tell us about how you found Sequel, why you applied to Encourage, like tell us the little story behind that.
0: Yeah. I had reconnected with Delaney. Delaney was in that small group with me that Kelly led when we were teenagers. And Delaney started talking to me about Sequel, well and you guys were just starting up. And I immediately was like, I love Kelly. Anything that she's involved in, I want to be involved in. So kind of started following you guys on Facebook and paying attention to what was going on. Delaney went through Encouraged before I did. And you guys did a video on her and I watched that and just saw the impact on her life. And I was in a really rough spot at this point in my life. You know, we had been struggling with infertility for about four years at that point, And just in such a dark area and so upset and struggling with God and tired, worn out, exhausted. And everything about Encourage was like, are you tired? Are you worn out? You know, do you need to reconnect with God? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> So I applied for Encourage, and it was the best decision I've ever made.
1: But what were you hoping for, like deep, deep down that nobody knew? What were you hoping to get out of Encourage?
0: I was hoping for answers about why we couldn't get pregnant, but mostly peace, you know, clarity, just a reconnection with God that I felt like I hadn't had for a while as much as I tried hoping to really have a 180 change my life around, you know, not be angry, not struggle with control, just get peace out of all of it. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect. And other than Kelly, I really didn't know any of the ladies that were going to be here. So that already was uncomfortable for me. And I just I wanted a change in my life. But I also knew I had to be vulnerable in order to do that. And it's difficult being vulnerable sharing, you know, what I've gone through. But I was really excited for it. I was really hopeful. You know, I I really, really wanted a change in my life and I felt like this is what was going to make that change. And so I was really hopeful that God was gonna work in me through this experience.
1: What was that first weekend of listening like for you and, and did God speak something to you in that time away?
0: Yeah, so settling is really difficult for me. I really struggle with just sitting still and listening. So, I was like, how oh am I going to do this for an hour? I, but I'm so glad that I learned how to do that. The one thing that I wanted was just to hear from God, just to hear him speak to me in some way, give me peace, give me some answers. That's really what I was looking for, because I hadn't had that for such a long time. And years before that, while we were still struggling with infertility, Dave surprised me with a trip to meet up with a friend of mine I hadn't seen in a long time. Before we even made it to her house from the airport, we realized that both of us were struggling with infertility. Mm. And so of course that weekend we talked about that a lot. And she pointed me to uh, John 11, which is Lazarus's death. And Mary and Martha are obviously upset. Jesus comes to them. And the thing that she pointed out that I hadn't realized before is that, you know, that's where Jesus wept. And he, he was with them in their pain and suffering even though we had a plan and that really stuck out to me is i had felt this whole time like god had a plan but he was not with me in my pain and suffering when she pointed that out i realized like yeah god is with us you know in our pain and suffering still didn't feel that but you know her pointing that out was was pivotal in my life and john 11 continued to come up in my life for a, quite a bit after that. So, you know, when God like wants you to know something and he's like, hey, here it is again and again and again. So that first weekend when we were here, I was sitting looking at the lake and just praying and telling God, you know, I just feel like I haven't heard from you. I don't know that you're with me. I'm really struggling with this. And I had this moment where the wind just picked up and I had this, I can only describe it as like an out-of-body experience where I felt like I was floating or being carried. And I heard this man's voice say, I am with you. And in that moment, I knew that I was God. I knew that that was God's voice saying that I am with you. And everything just stopped. The wind stopped. And I just sat there with tears streaming down my face. And I went back to John 11. You know, that's what came back in my mind is him being with Mary and Martha in their pain and suffering, even though he had a plan. And at that moment, I knew that he was with me. I hadn't felt like I'd heard from him in years. And I knew that he was with me in my struggles, in my pain, even though he had a plan for us.
1: Mm. You know, when God asks Moses to do this really incredibly difficult thing, the only thing he tells him is, I'll be with you. Yeah. And I kind of have done this like rabbit trail search. If you've ever done that studying scripture like how many other times does he say that as it turns out a lot (laughs) he doesn't promise us it works out the way that we want he just says I'll be with you yeah and at the same time it doesn't solve your problem no (laughs) so as beautiful as that is I imagine you go home and whether there's a mother's day event or whatever party and you know your nieces and nephews there's this constant reminder of like yes he's with me but the thing that I cherish that I so desire to have is is still not happening. I imagine the next couple of experiences, you know, probably weren't easy for you as you're still looking for those answers, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And while I felt like I had some peace after that, I felt finally like, you know, God hears me. He's with me. But we're still struggling with infertility and I'm still experiencing this on a regular basis. So I, know, I was thankful that Encourage was a year-long experience to work through a lot of that. I learned a lot about myself in those weekends.
1: Yeah, I never realized the connection with infertility in that book until hearing your story. It's heavy, yeah, super heavy. As you were thinking about going into that third experience and wondering like, God, what do you have for me here? You're, you're placing this book in my lap just for me. Tell me your thoughts going into experience three.
0: I never thought of infertility as an idol and I was really afraid going into that third experience that God was just going to expose so much to me as to how I made infertility an idol in my life. And it was terrifying to work through a lot of that.
1: So how did it move from this is my dream to now this has become my idol?
0: It became such a focus in my life something that I thought about constantly and compared myself to other women who were having, you know, babies and staying at home with them and comparing Dave and I to other couples and the things that we didn't have. And I was so focused on it. Every, Everywhere I saw something related to infertility. And it was just such a focus of my life. The thing that I prayed about all the time that I struggled with, that I was angry about, that just took over my thoughts. It really did become an idol for me.
1: So when we talk about idol, just to make sure anybody listening knows what we mean, what we mean is a good thing that we ultimately make an ultimate thing and we place it above God. It becomes more important than God. Oftentimes though, the surface thing, isn't the real thing, right? There's, there's layers to this, in other words. I think that's probably what you discovered is like, there's many, many layers to this. So tell us a little bit about what you discovered as you started to unpack those layers.
0: Yeah, so what I discovered about myself is that, that surfacital for me was infertility, but the source, the real deep piece of that was the need for approval. And that's something that I never realized about myself, but discovered that weekend, So realizing that my biggest struggles with infertility was because I felt like I needed to have kids to get approval from others in today's society, right? Like you go to college, you get married, you have kids. That's what happens in society these days. And I felt like in order to fit in with others and get that approval, I needed to have kids. That's kind of going back to the control piece of it, right? Like in- if we couldn't have kids, then I at least wanted approval for Dave and I. And so I really realized that weekend how much approval was really the idol, you know, needing others approval in my life.
1: That's a big realization. Yeah, it was. When you're here at Haven for that experience, um, like what happened when you realized like, oh, oh, this thing's actually approval.
0: It made a lot of sense to me once I figured it out, but it took years years and a lot of prayer and being here to really figure that out. I I saw the need for approval in other areas of my life from the time that I was a child growing up and just realizing the impact that it had on my life as a whole. And then it coming out in the form of infertility as well.
1: How did that impact your relationship with God?
0: You know, that weekend I realized that I didn't need approval from others. All I needed was approval from God. And when I finally realized that, it was like a light bulb moment for me. I felt like I could finally surrender to Him, not surrender to others, not surrender to this picture-perfect you know, idea that I had for us, this dream. I finally realized I don't need others' approval in my life. I need God's approval. And was able to feel a lot of peace after that. That was a pivoting moment for me. Hmm.
1: Tell us about the rock. <laughs> <laughs> so we asked you part of that homework is to bring a rock. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe before you come you don't exactly know what that rock symbolizes, but ultimately it symbolizes the idol in your life. Tell us a little bit about the rock as you went through that experience.
0: Yeah. So you had us carry this rock around all weekend. And as I kind of focused on this and realized this is that weekend. I felt before even knowing what you guys were going to have us do with this rock, I wanted to write all these things on this rock and throw it in the lake and totally surrender it to God. Come to find out, that's really what you're going to have us do anyway, which worked (laughs) out great. (laughs) But I, I was able to write things on this rock, like infertility, need for approval, and fully surrender it to God. It was that weekend that I... I felt like my life changed that weekend. I felt like I became a whole different person. You could see the joy in me. You could see the lightness. And I have not looked back since that weekend. I'm a completely different person after that weekend than I was before.
1: So your husband, Dave said, before you went to encourage Caillou, you just need to surrender. What did you believe about surrendering infertility and, and whatever else before you came to encourage?
0: it was difficult it's difficult to surrender especially when you want to be in control i tried i felt like i tried but i always knew in the back of my mind that i was still holding on to it that i i felt like i needed to keep it close i couldn't fully give it over to god and coming into the weekend i understood what it meant to fully surrender i experienced it i felt myself change. I learned a lot about myself and I felt like I knew God was with me. I knew he had a plan. I knew the reasons that I struggled with this and I could give it over to God.
1: And what did you learn about surrender that you wish you could tell other people?
0: I would say that you have to be fully committed to it. It's easy to say I've surrendered something. But until you fully connect with God and give it over to Him and move on from it, you haven't fully surrendered. It is a change of your heart and your mind. It's not just saying words. It's fully giving God control over whatever you're struggling with.
1: beautiful thing to say I've surrendered this just like you're saying until you give it fully over to God but then there's the practical side of that which is you leave an experience and you're going to get triggered at some point and these triggers are going to pop emotions back up whether it's approval or whatever it is how does that practically work out in your life to surrender it again and to make sure you have fully committed this to God
0: so before encourage you know my struggles with approval I found myself focusing so much on what others saw of me and making sure that, you know, the house was perfectly cleaned or I looked great or whatever it was, just needing others approval afterwards that's changed. I don't feel like I need to be perfect anymore. I feel like I can be myself. I don't feel like I need to seek others approval as much as I did before when it comes to triggers that's changed as well. So beforehand, Pregnancy announcements and new babies were devastating for me. Like I I couldn't even look at them or or know about them. And now I'm actually happy for people. And yeah, it's still tough. It will always be tough. But when I find myself really struggling, you know, I turn to God and just pray about it and know that. He has a plan for my life, and this is not his plan at that moment. And my attitude towards that has changed significantly. You know, I talked about Mother's Day and how difficult it was for me to go to church. And after Encourage, so now a couple of years where I refused to go to church on Mother's Day, after Encourage, I felt like going to church on Mother's Day was the final act of surrender for me. It was difficult. You know my husband Dave asked me, "Are you sure you want to do this even in the morning of?" and i I felt like, yes, I need to go to church in order to fully surrender to God. And we did. It was tough. I felt almost awkward, I guess, walking into church, exposed. And my crying in church that day was so different than my crying in church was years before. Mm -hmm. you know singing the same songs and actually feeling like it was well with my soul and it was tears of relief tears of happiness and it was not tears of pain and i felt like that was a pivotal moment in my life was being able to be in church on mother's day and fully surrender to god and letting him move me and and go with his plan
1: what a picture of wholeness yeah like from a broken place of insecurity and needing the approval of others and how that played out in this dream that I'm personally still hoping happens, but at least right now has not
0: Yeah.
1: to this quiet confidence you now have of it's okay. He has a plan for my life. I'm surrendering this to him. Just what a beautiful picture of wholeness. If you could encourage another woman or family who is struggling with infertility having been through what you have been through, how would you encourage them?
0: I know it's tough. I've been there. We're still there. You know, we've been struggling with it for seven years now and still don't have answers. If I didn't have God in my life, if I hadn't gone through all this, learned all this about myself, I would still be in the same place that I was before Encourage. And you may not know what the plan is that God has for you. We don't. We wish we did, but I would say to trust God. Know that He does have a plan. He'll use you, use your story. It is tough, but others are going through it as well. And to use your resources, use the other women around you, couples around that you have gone through the same thing. You know, to encourage you to be there for you, to pray for you. And it really is connecting with God and and giving it over to Him.
1: Yeah, you're not alone. No. This has been one of the scariest interviews for me because it's really a taboo topic it's incredibly common I mean I know dozens and dozens of people who have and are struggling with infertility it's scary for me as a man because I don't know what it's like I'm not a woman Uh, we haven't struggled with infertility or lost a child but I don't know why people don't talk about it because it comes at a really vulnerable place in our lives where Typically our identities are still forming. We're figuring out where we fit in the world, where our dreams, you know, the dreams that we have and how does that fit in with God's plan, all this kind of stuff. Why don't you think we talk about this as a culture?
0: I think because it goes against what is the, is us say American dream, but you know, the the dream or what people see as normal, you know, it's difficult to admit that you're struggling with it. It's being very vulnerable to tell people that. And it's hard because because it's not talked about and people don't understand or people feel awkward when you talk about it if they haven't gone through it themselves. One of the best things that I had was being able to talk to others who were going through it because they understood. So I'd highly encourage that, to find others who are going through the same thing, because um, you finally feel like somebody understands you and you don't feel alone. It's so easy to feel alone when you see so many other people easily getting pregnant and raising kids.
1: That was one of the sweetest things before we started this is you said, hey, if anybody needs help, have them reach out to me. I would love to be a friend or just have a conversation. Um, But if somebody wanted to reach out to you and have a conversation, how would you want them to get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, absolutely feel free to reach out to the sequel team. They have my contact information. I would love to talk to anybody. Like I said, that was one of the best things for me was finding people who understood and were there to pray for me and felt the same feelings that I did. And I absolutely would love to be a resource for anybody, a friend, prayer partner to anybody that's going through it.
1: So we'll put a link in the show notes that'll say reach out to Kaya and we'll we'll connect you with her if you're struggling, we just want you to know you're not alone. And uh, Kyle would love to have a conversation with you and pray for you.
0: Hearing my friend tell me about that, reading John 11, just knowing that God is with us in our pain and suffering, even though He has a plan, I think that would be the thing that sticks out to me the most is Him telling me, I am with you.
1: I love that. What a- beautiful promise of scripture. guy. Mm-hmm. I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. I think this is gonna help all of us learn to surrender, and specifically families who are struggling with infertility. know they're not alone. There's hope. God still has a plan for your life, and if we will surrender that plan to Him, we will find the hope and peace that, that we really want.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being able to share my story, and I just pray that it helps others as well.
1: Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org/donate.